Hey, this is Kim Davis, and welcome to another in this current series of Spotlight on Serious Decisions. And the topic of, uh, of this conversation is the future vision for sales. Um, serious Decisions talks a lot about the revenue engine, and obviously sales is crucial to revenue. So to take us through the future vision today, I have with me Steve Silver, who's Senior Research Director for Sales Operations Strategies. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, Kim. Pleasure to be here. Okay, so let's start by looking at some of the current trends you've identified. Now, I know one of the ones you really highlight is artificial intelligence. You also talk about adaptability. So maybe we take those one by one and say how important they are for sales. Yeah, great question. I think the reason we chose AI, artificial intelligence, it's more than just the latest buzzword, the, the shiny new object in the room. It's, it's something that's already impacting both broad areas of society as well as sales, sales operations, sales enablement specifically. And, and we see that both on the seller side. So we're getting smarter about collecting data and understanding how our buyers and customers behave, how we can meet their needs, how we can help guide them through the purchase decision, but also on the buyer side. So buyers are leveraging AI components to make better decisions about what technology to purchase, what problems they should solve, how they can go about uh, managing their own customers and driving value into their business. So, so we just see artificial intelligence really in its infancy in terms of B2B sales and what it will eventually evolve into in terms of its impact. And it's really going to make B2B selling more effective if it's properly used, isn't it? That's the hope. That's, <laughs> that's, the hope. that's what we're all striving for. Yeah, it's not just a replacement of existing technology, and yeah. I think that's important to understand. Um, AI, as you know, is driven on data. The more data, the better. The, the more data, AI does a phenomenal job of collecting vast amounts of data, recognizing patterns, and then providing advice on that. Human intuition is absolutely still required. So far, anyway, Robots haven't shown an ability to uh, interact with humans in an empathetic way, to understand context, to create things. And mm -hmm. so as long as buyers are still human and customers are still human, I think there will be a, a growing role for sellers. But it, it is absolutely continuing to, to influence the sales process in many ways. And uh, how much are you seeing investment put into this? Is it, is it a high priority? For, uh, for sales managers, sales directors to put investment into AI? If it's not, it should be. And, and I'll give you an easy uh, example why. Just uh, imagine for a moment that, that you have 10 sales reps and your competitor has 10 sales reps. They decide to put in an AI-enabled tool right now, and you say, we're going to wait a year. Well, at the end of that year, they have effectively 10 years worth of sales, behavioral data, customer data, whereas you're just getting started. And that really it puts you in a hole that's difficult to climb out of. So the, the, what we tell our clients is find a problem, whether it's forecasting or pipeline management or uh, data entry into your Salesforce automation tool, that can be solved by AI today and get started. Yeah, and I think it's, it will be <clears throat> typical of serious decisions to say, we're agnostic about the technology. There are good technology decisions to be made, but first of all, you need to know the problem you're solving and your, your strategy for solving it. Always. Great point. Yeah. Figure out what's the biggest problem you have. How can you solve it? And then we can decide what's the right AI-enabled application for you based on your size, your go-to-market, number of reps, et cetera. But it's, 
It's, uh, the, the technology as an enabler is here to stay. And then it becomes a question of where do we put it in our organization. Okay. And the, another goal which people are really chasing hard right now is the ability to use real-time data to help you respond to customers' needs you know, in the moment, mm -hmm. ideally. So that's all about adaptability, isn't it? Talk to me broadly about adaptability in this context. Yeah, it's really, it, it is adapting to changes in buyer and customer behavior. And I use both of those words specifically because I, I think one of the things we as sellers often forget is our job is not just to get the customer to make a purchase decision, to get the buyer to make that decision. It's to ensure that as we transition them into a customer and users, we're doing the right thing for our company. We're, we're enabling them, we're bringing them on board, we're growing the business, we're setting them up for retention. And so um, as we see the, the bigger shift to uh, recurring revenue models, sales reps have to be thinking long-term, not just what do I need to do this quarter. And that's the adaptability that we're, that we're talking about. Yeah, and I certainly want to come back and talk to the talk about the implications for compensation. Mm -hmm. But before we get there, um, another thing I noticed from, uh, from your presentation at the summit this week is the move from sales measurement to sales intelligence. Can you distinguish those for us? Yeah, it's a very exciting area. So if you, if you think back only five, maybe 10 years ago, the vast majority of measurement was done in an Excel spreadsheet or maybe a dashboard. And so as sales operations professionals, we would send those out to our sales leaders, the reps, the managers, the leaders. And truthfully, we really have no idea, did somebody read it? If they read it, did they understand it? And then were they able to make better business decisions? So sales intelligence, the whole uh, mantra behind that is to deliver just-in-time, context-sensitive, role-specific advice for every one of those roles. If I'm a, a sales rep, it might tell me, this is your next best step with that particular customer. As a manager, it might tell me, this is how you should deploy your resources. And the same thing as a leader, here's how you should plan and, and deploy the, the sales organizations to the most effect. So it, intelligence takes us into the world of analytics and insight that's consumable by the end user. So it sounds like a more sophisticated approach to metrics, because to measure the kinds of things you're talking about now, it's not as simple as the old days, is it? It's not. And, and uh, you know, the old adage, we, we measure what we can rather than what we should. And, and I think sales intelligence begins to turn that on its head a little bit. We start to find things, uh, you know, simple things like, oh, we thought we should be sending a, a, a reference to the customer late in the sales cycle. Turns out we ought to be sending it early. Or we've been waiting to bring them into the, the customer experience center late in the sales cycle. Well, it turns out we ought to be doing it earlier. Those types of simple things can make a huge difference in our behavior around our buyers and customers. Okay, and another new vista which is opening up, and uh, this may be a new term for some of our readers and listeners, dynamic guided selling. Can yeah. you tell us what that is? Yeah, yeah. It's... It, it's been a, for a long time, we've had sales playbooks. And typically these are, are very static. Mm -hmm. If the customer says A, I say B. Or if they're at this point in the, in the buying process, these are the artifacts that I should send them. The, these static playbooks don't really take into account the size of the opportunity, who is involved in the purchase decision, what interactions we've had with them up to this point. So new tools are emerging that are collecting all that data about the human and non-human interactions that take place throughout the buyer's journey, 
who are we talking to, what have they said, how have they responded, and gives us, again, that advice to sellers about the next best step that's specific to them, to their customer, and to the interactions that they've always had. But it's taking that idea, it's much like ways for, for sellers. You know, mm -hmm. Waze thinks about, knows where your starting point is, yeah. it looks at road conditions, it looks at traffic conditions, and it gives you the best path. And it constantly adjusts that. And dynamic guided selling is very much the, a, a similar offering. That's a great analogy. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned the buyer's journey. It makes me think that the buyer's journey itself is now so dynamic. Um, it used to be possible to plot out a journey, which you then try to apply to all buyers. It doesn't work anymore, and especially if you're doing it at scale now, again, we go back to AI as uh, a way of making these journeys change and adapt and, and get revised in real time. Are you seeing that happening? Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I, I think, uh, and our research backs this up, that the, the interactions with buyers are very episodic, not linear, mm -hmm. even though we as humans like to think it's a nice linear process. It rarely is, and then just to make that even more fun, they are often multiple buyers involved, right? And in the case of uh, perhaps software as a service, that first transaction may be your, your first little entree into that company with many, many transactions and much growth opportunity there. So all of those factors mean that, that the old vision of a buyer's journey is very static and very linear, has, has changed, and that's that's hard for us as humans to wrap our heads around and understand all the various data points and all the various interactions and how those then lead us to the next best step. That relates to the idea, I think, of, of being nimble in your response mm -hmm. to the customers. And there are a number of suggestions you're making that um, sales teams need to understand and start taking on. I'd like to run through them, maybe get your comments on each of them. <laughs> One is being empathetic. Empathy. From salespeople. Yeah, no, about yeah. that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, our view is the role of the salesperson is changing. It's not just to close a deal, just to get to the end of the quarter, just to make quota. And uh, I think we want to talk about compensation in yeah. a moment. But, but we want salespeople to be professional. We want them to build relationships with customers. We want those to be lasting relationships. We want that knowledge to be disseminated throughout the organization so that other functions can engage with that, with that buyer and that customer appropriately. And, and this is where I think humans really differentiate themselves from machines. You can sit across from a table or at least be on the phone with someone and understand what are their personal and their professional challenges. Why might they or might they not make a decision to do business with you? That's that human intuition that's still required to be a successful seller. And another thing is being digitally adept. Mm -hmm. And you might think, well, I, I thought that's something which should almost be taken for granted these days, whether you're in sales or marketing. Is that not the case? Is people still have work to do here? I think there's a lot of work to do here, and it, it's kind of driven by two things. First of all, um, a lot of times the technology that we deploy into our organizations requires the seller or someone else to be, the, the, they are the systems integrator. So mm -hmm. we call it armchair integration. Right? <laughs> right. They're, they're entering data into one tool and then when it comes, to time, comes time to perform another function, they have to re-enter that data into another tool. So we're talking a lot about digital sales transformation and that means we have one or a few tools that the sales reps can work in most of the time. So in order to do that, they have to have an understanding of how to, to leverage these tools. And that's where that digital adept concept comes in. 
The flip side to that is, though, I think we've, we've underserved our business users, our internal customers. And if you think about their experience as consumers, we work with our smartphones, we work with Google. Yeah. Nobody ever had to go to a training class to learn how to use a smartphone or to play a video game. And that's the mindset of, of people who are entering the workforce now. And then they sit down at, a, at their desk and they're confronted with technology that looks like it was built in 1997. And so, <laughs> so we as deliverers of yeah. that top technology have to become more digitally adept at enabling our sellers. Yeah, and just as, as an aside, something I've come across is circumstances where members of a team have quite different approaches to the technology and different levels of expertise and before you know it they're all using it in different ways if you don't get your hands around the problem. And that, a big challenge for sales enablement, yeah. right, because they're the ones tasked with understanding the needs of the users and, and training or enabling people to, to be able to leverage these tools. The, the interesting part about that is oftentimes users figure out really creative <laughs> and, and ways to leverage the tools yeah. that maybe we didn't think of. So a certain amount of that is to be encouraged. Yeah. When they start bypassing the tools, and I'm not putting the onus on the user, that's our responsibility as sales enablement, sales ops leaders, to deliver tools to them that, that are effective at the, at the job. Absolutely. Now, another thing you talk about is a focus on advocacy. What, what's the context there? So our view is that the seller has to become the representative of the buyer and the customer. And that may mean cutting across functional boundaries. So talking to product, for example, mm. about, hey, to meet this customer's needs, we need this feature. Or we need a discount on this particular deal because there's lots of opportunity behind this and we need to get our foot in the door. So they can represent the, the buyer and the customer's needs into the internal organization as a customer advocate. And I think the, the next point also cuts across the silos because storytelling ability, once upon a time, <laughs> appropriately enough, uh, used to be surely what marketers did, but sales also has to be part of this narrative now? Yeah, and it's, I think humans resonate with stories. Mm -hmm. It's how we learn. It's how facts get built in us. We think back to our childhood and some of the, the stories true or not, that we, that we incorporated in. We still remember the TV shows we watched. We still remember uh, you know, some of the stories that we learned uh, as children. And so th these are all related, empathy, advocacy, storytelling. It's, it's a more effective way to communicate with other human beings. And so we, we just see the salesperson needing those skills in order to create that relationship with, with their buyers and customers. Okay, well, you set up my last question beautifully because there's a kind of traditional view of the salesperson, the Glengarry Glen Ross view. You gotta make your numbers, you gotta make your, whatever your goal is for the quarter, and you do that however, however you can. But you're describing a quite different kind of relationship with the customer, a long-term one, lifetime value, all those kinds of good things. Yeah. How do you compensate that? So I think compensation is going to change pretty dramatically in, in the next couple of years, especially as these new sales models and, and, and traits emerge. I, I keep telling this to our clients that we need to banish the term coin-operated from our vocabulary. <laughs> I, I find it, you know, we hire salespeople to represent our company. We want them to be professionals. We want them to have those relationships, and yet we use eh, kind of a negative term to describe them. Mm -hmm. So I, I think compensation will absolutely change if you step back and look at the cost of those short-term deals 
and what it really cost the company to go through the heroics at the end of the quarter and make a deal at all cost, a lot of times you're setting up that customer for churn, or at a minimum you're setting them up to expect those kinds of discounts in the future. That's not driving the long-term value that we want. So I think variable compensation will absolutely continue to be a part of the seller's overall um, uh, compensation package. But the focus will change from closing deals this quarter to much more focus on bringing in the right customers, setting them up for lifetime value, setting them up for retention and growth, and then maintaining that relationship, That's the, the, yeah. the business objectives. That's a real investment in the future, isn't it? So, it absolutely yeah. is, yeah. yeah. And we're seeing that already. Uh, yeah. We're seeing it on the consumer side with, with some car dealers and that sort of stuff. We're seeing it on businesses mostly on small, high-growth businesses that truthfully can't do a very effective job of setting quota anyway because they're just growing so quickly. But I, w I won't be the least bit surprised to see that sort of model migrate into uh, the more established businesses. Okay, that's the future vision of sales. Steve, thanks very much for taking us through it. And everyone, please look out for the rest of the podcasts in this series.